Welcome back to another episode of the Higher Love with Megan podcast, talking all things holistic health and mind, body, soul, healing and expansion with me, your host, Megan Cooper. This episode is recorded with therapist and spiritual life coach, Kristin Gattens. Kristin is in fact my therapist and I wanted to get her on the podcast because of her unique and innovative approach to therapy. Kristin combines her background in clinical psychology and counselling with her further training in life coaching, holistic healing and spiritual psychology. Kristin worked in a clinical setting for 15 years, but as you will hear, she became aware of some of the limitations within a conventional approach to therapy for some people and set up her own practice integrating various approaches and modalities focused on shifting people back into their power and their authentic alignment and looking for solutions within themselves. In this podcast, we discuss the limitations that Kristen found within the conventional setting and the progressive ways that we can begin to view and treat our wider collective mental and emotional well-being. Although more extreme issues in mental health require very specialist care, we find ourselves as a population experiencing discontent and dis-ease as a widely experienced phenomenon. Many people feel flat even when they seem to have it all. Many people find themselves feeling alienated or ashamed or like there's something wrong with them because they don't feel totally happy or fulfilled or complete. Many of us find ourselves trapped within a limiting belief system and fears which stand in the way of finding our true purpose, meaning and fulfilment within our lives. Kristen and I discuss getting yourself into alignment and finding your authentic truth and what that feels like the process of excavating who we truly are and taking action to radically shift our mindset and our energetics and lives. I thoroughly enjoyed creating and making this episode. Kristen is an absolute gem and an incredible practitioner who I am fortunate enough to have in my corner. Enjoy. Well, I'm really excited to record this with you. So thank you so much for being here, Kristen. It's such a pleasure and a privilege to have you here. Thank you for having me. So as we kick off, do you maybe just want to give a little bit of a background introduction of yourself and your path so far? Sure. So obviously not from here, um, from Canada. And I did my initial training, like I did a bachelor's in psychology. And I think I started my undergrad when I was 17. So literally have only done this my whole life. Um, And so from then, like just really early on um was super super interested in like how people kick and all that kind of stuff so that was like just a really clear path for me from day dot sort of thing so then um did my master's and then started just working in as many places I could to get different types of experience so um I worked in sort of inpatient psych for children sort of like um government agencies like a cam sort of vibe but be like here um family counseling domestic violence like all kinds of stuff to sort of get as much experience as I possibly could around like what it is that I was interested in and what my skill set was, but like, and also the contrast around things that I really didn't want to experience. But um, I did that for about 10 years, I would say, and then started to just feel the, mm, something's off, something's not working as we do when we're um, outgrowing something. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up, um, doing a course over here, which was just like a week-long sort of spiritual development course. And that just really like kickstarted everything for me. And I was like, oh crap, I have to dig into this, don't I? Um, And so then I ended up moving over here, did a year program in spiritual psychology, started doing sort of like life coaching courses, like just a bunch of other add-ons to sort of integrate into my work. So I had like a really good clinical foundation, 
but it was just always missing something. And, you know, for some clients that worked great. And then there would be clients where it would be sort of like a, oh, this is not enough. Like there's more to it than this. Um, so that curiosity about the what else is it sort of just led me on the path that I'm kind of in now. So I do like to still integrate a lot of like my clinical background and stuff because it's still super important. But um, there's a whole big piece I feel that was missing before. So um, yeah, so it's kind of fun to be able to marry those up and just, you know, play with whatever is sort of needed for each person in the moment, really. Okay, so obviously over the very extensive period of time of which you've been in this line of work as a therapist, have you noticed a change with the types of people seeking therapy or how therapy is perceived? As in, do you feel like it is becoming less taboo and kind of more widely accepted in society? I know that, you know, over the years, there's been a big push in awareness around mental health. Do you see that in the way that therapy is perceived? Yeah, I'd say definitely, but it's also tricky to answer because, I mean, I would say there's more of like, there's still a stigma, definitely. There's more openness to it. In some circles, it's also like a cool thing now I've seen. Like I started with a new client recently and she was like, well, I tried this other therapist and she just wasn't for me. Um, But all of my friends were like, she is the thing. Like if you're not seeing her, like kind of you're, (laughs) I'm like, this is like, now um so and and also when people that are just really kind of like high flyers like performance-based people that just want to get the edge on people and sort of you know people use therapy for however they want to um so the stigma that you have to be like unwell to access therapy or there's something wrong with you I think is shifting it's still definitely there though um the piece that's a bit of a conflation though is like because my point of attraction for clients has shifted so when I first was starting out like people were like well what's your niche I'm like I don't have a niche I didn't really want a niche like I liked dabbling in a bunch of different things and I found like I didn't want to just kind of hit one note I thought it was like interesting to help a variety of different demographics but over the years I've definitely like developed a niche because it's it's very exhausting work if you're doing a bunch of different things so you want to be able to be working with people that are in perfect alignment with you know what you're interested in, what you're about, that sort of thing. And so that it's sort of a good match. Um, So I definitely have a specific niche, I would say, of people that I work with now. So what the heck everyone else is up to, I actually am a little bit out of the loop on. I can tell you the people I work with, but yeah, to be honest with you, a lot of them are just like very intelligent, very sensitive people, very ambitious, put way too much pressure on themselves usually quite successful in their own right and whatever like they're doing um which definitely goes against the the belief that you know before it's like you you know kind of you were mentally unwell which is never necessarily been the case but that's the perception I guess but it is shifting and I think there's pros and cons to that like the internet obviously is you know social media it's like and the stigma mental health a lot of information resources out there to help with that which has its own problems I suppose that we can get into later but um yeah it just takes time really so would you say so that's your niche of highly intelligent kind of highly sensitive people that put too much pressure on themselves is that the niche or can you expand a little bit on that because I know that there'll be some people listening who are like tick 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 that's me (laughs) I mean across the board regardless of like what they look like where they're from whatever there is a huge sensitivity there um real lack of understanding of what the heck do I do with this Um, and people usually come to see me when they're at sort of a transition point between like 
hey, I've done all the things that I'm supposed to do, like look at my career and look at my mouse and look at all the money I've accumulated and I've done this and this and this, and I still feel like crap. There must be something really wrong with me because you know, you're told that you do all of these things and then you're going to feel happy. And then when you don't, you're like, now what? And being able to balance a real deep sensitivity, which is essentially attached to spirituality, right? Really being able to understand what gives you meaning and purpose and connects you to something bigger than yourself. We're never encouraged or taught that at all. So a lot of people come to me and they're like, what the heck is this? And they see that as almost like an inherent flaw rather than this is actually a gift. And if you can learn to use that and align with that, like, I mean, the sky's the limit really, but um, yeah, so that's sort of the, the, the contrast that I see very high functioning people um, with sort of that deep sense of confusion or unhappiness or I should feel this way. I mean, everyone has it worse than me. Like what, who am I to complain? But I feel this real deep, like sadness or just the kind of feeling. And, you know, we get the message that you must be doing something wrong. Yeah, I can really resonate with that feeling that you just expressed of everything's ticked. I have the career, I have the partner, I have the great place that I'm living, etc. I have all of the like conventional things that are supposed to make us feel like happy and fulfilled, but there's still something inside me that is like, mm, there's something missing. And I think for me, you know, really leaning into practices around like my own alignment and like my spirituality, like that was the thing that kind of started to really create a shift in that so yeah I can really resonate with with what you're saying there the truth of that is like so if you went to a doctor or like a conventional practitioner with these things they'd be like well you must be depressed like you must have an anxiety disorder like there must be something wrong with you because you have all these things you have no reason to feel the way that you feel which then promotes that stigma of oh my god something's deeply wrong with me rather than you know call it a, like spiritual awakening or an existential crisis, whatever the heck you want to call it, but it's not fun. <laughs> and, and I've lived through a massive one. And so when I see clients go through that, I'm like my little compassion empathy box. I'm like, Oh my gosh. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm so also excited for you because this is going to be epic, but it ain't easy. And I don't think it's something that's really well understood within sort of like conventional practices. So if people access those types of services, which definitely have their place, then they're like, oh my God, I, now I'm on these meds and I've got this. And I'm like, okay, hold on. Like we have to get to like the root of what is actually creating sort of these symptoms. Absolutely. And yeah, I remember being in my mid twenties and kind of having all the boxes ticked and still not being really happy and actually thinking there must be something wrong with me. Like there must be a part of me missing. Like I must be wired differently to everybody else because everyone else seems to be like perfectly happy with all these things that they have going on. And people are like really well-intentioned, you know, as like friends, family, whatever. And they, they try to be reassuring and they'd be like, but you've got all these things. Like you're doing so great. Like you don't need to feel like this. You're like, I, that's not helping. <laughs> like I know that. So then we think, am, am I just ungrateful as a human? Do I have like unrealistic expectations? Like da da da. And then when we leave that and it just goes unchecked, people can have some quite disturbing thoughts about like not wanting to be here and like, you know, just that fear of like there's something deeply wrong with me, which creates that sense of shame. When we get into that vibration, it is very difficult to climb out. Yeah. So. You have this incredible extensive background and experience and lots of different trainings. You know, you have a bachelor's degree in psychology, a master's degree in counseling. You've worked in a variety of clinical settings. Um, but you'd, you say that you 
felt increasingly disheartened by this kind of outdated systematic limitations of conventional psychology. So I'm just interested in digging a little bit into what those limitations are. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I mean, the conventional approach has its place, but it is a form of treatment. It is an approach, and that is not what holistic means, right? So, um, you know, and, and what the kinds of clients or people struggling with certain mental health aspects, like what we're not talking about is serious things. Like we're not talking about like schizophrenia or things with like an actual like super organic brain misfunction. Like we're talking about people that are just struggling or not feeling good. And then that can snowball into a thing or, you know, people that experience like a traumatic loss or like going through a huge transition and trying to acclimatize to a new way of being, which is going to bring about symptoms of a thing, but doesn't mean they have the thing, if that makes sense. So, you know, the conventional approach definitely, you know, with medication and all of that stuff, great for some stuff for sure and definitely needed. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned about like health and sort of like, you know, just nutrition and things like that. I mean, <clears throat> I remember working in inpatient psychiatry and I was like, look at the crap they like, like chicken. I'm, I love a chicken nugget. So I'm not going to, but that is not a health food. And I'm very aware that that is not a health food. <laughs> and like, so it's just like, I just don't understand why if, if you have someone that is in a residential program, give them all the goods, right? Like, let's go, let's blast. Even if you cannot maintain this on your own, let's see actually what's causing what if we can. Um, you know, and so there isn't just like, there's no, of course, it's like a financial thing. There's not enough services. People are on wait lists for, you know, oh, I'm suicidal. Cute. Here's like a wait list for 10 months. Like, oh, that's really sensible. So these, these things systemically that just don't work. Um, but I mean, that's kind of like a bigger fish to fry sort of, sort of thing really. Um, but it, it, there's just a mismatch between sort of what people need and what services they're given. So you go like the screening processes, you know, like I, I went recently for even not even related to mental health, just like a hormone screening to like figure out some symptoms, went to the NHS, did the blood work, did all the tests and I've got nothing wrong with you. And then someone that I know that like specializes in hormones, she's like, can you send it to me? She's like, they didn't check this, 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 this. I then paid for a private one. And they're like, oh yeah, you need to actually add this to your diet and try these supplements. And I'm like, so like you would think that you've done the proper screening. You think there's nothing wrong with you. I don't know why I have all these symptoms, but cake pie is basically what happens. So without these proper screenings and things, we don't actually know what's what. People could have nutritional imbalance. They could have hormone imbalance. They could have all kinds of things. You know, some clients that I have, you know, how's your diet? How many cups of coffee are you chugging per day? Like these basic little things can actually make huge, huge differences clean up the energetics and our like nervous system response to some things. And then we see what we're working with. Right. Um, so obviously there's a huge emphasis on meds. Like that's the first point of call. You go to a doctor, you tell them that you're feeling depressed. That's likely the first thing that they're going to suggest. And that's going to numb your symptoms. Symptoms are here as messengers, right. To show you, Hey, this is a thing. This is a thing. And when we just try to sort of numb them with meds as a, first point of call it's just it's just not a thing and, and then paired with that is like which I when I first started my career because I'm a very heady like logical kind of person like CBT like the cognitive stuff I was like yes I love this and it it, it definitely has its place but that's you know in terms of like if you were to go and work within a system that's that's all you get which for some people really really is not the ticket and then 
again, this perpetuates this thing of, wow, these people can't even fix me. I'm a lost cause, right? Which is just not what we want people to be walking away feeling. You're right. It's like our mental health also has such a connection to like our gut health and things like that. And, you know, what we're putting into our bodies. And even if you have like a gut dysbiosis, that can be enough sometimes to just create anxiety. Very important to be treating the body at the same time as as well as we're treating the mind. So if you imagine you're experiencing symptoms of anxiety and you go to a doctor and they just want to plug you with meds, but really it's just something, I mean, you say basic, but it's like a big deal in someone's life, which is like, I hate my career. Like I've chosen this career. I'm just really deeply unhappy. I'm super stressed. Here's this thing I really want to be doing, but I can't because of all of these limiting beliefs and, you know, blocks there. I mean, there is a solution that is inherent within the process, which is like, okay, let's explore that. So you know, the, the conventional system does not address spirituality at all. And spirituality, as I said, is not a religious thing. It can be, but it's just like, what lights you up? Like, what makes you feel you? What do you feel like you're here to do on this planet? Like more of that, please. Like if we can encourage someone to align with that, then these symptoms go away. Cause the symptoms like, Hey, this is not for you. Hey, this makes you feel like crap. Don't do this thing. Like we need to be listening to the messages rather than just sort of dumbing them down. Right. And it, when I were doing my master's program, looking back now, I mean, that was what, 10, 15 years ago. And I remember of all the courses I did, there was like two slides on spirituality was like, some people have religions and you should ask them about those religions because that will frame their belief systems. And it's important to understand them. True. But like, there needs to be classes on this. Or like, it's not just like, it's, there was just such a basic little nugget that they dropped in as a, oh, by the way. But really, like, to me, that's like the crux of what we do is like, who are you as a human? What are you here to do? Like, who are you? What do you want? I mean, that's sort of glossed over. And there's just this overemphasis on symptoms. Let's look at the symptoms, which to me sounds like let's fixate on the problem and then wonder why you don't feel better. So a lot of clients that come to see me, they've seen one, two, three, four, five different therapists. And they're like, I don't want to talk one of the other days. Like, I don't want to talk about my childhood. I'm like, come to the wrong party. Like, I don't know. What to tell you. Like, I was like, you don't need to dig shit up, but it's like, if in this current moment, you are enacting a limiting belief that you learned when you were eight, we don't need to talk about all of your childhood stuff, but it's like, oh, this reminds me of this thing that this person told me. And now I've internalized that. Fine. It can be that simple. It's not the word, but do you know what I mean? We don't have to sit around and be like, tell me how terrible, like mommy and daddy were to you all the time. Like, how does that make anyone feel better? Do you know what I mean? So there is that focus on, you know, when I worked in the, you know, these systems, it's like, let's talk about unhappy, you're not feeling good and oh, and like really, and that's all they want to talk about. Okay, well, we'll see you next week. The person leaves there feeling completely deflated and all you've done is draw their attention to the things that make them feel terrible, which has its place because it has to give us information about, okay, what are you experiencing? All right, let's zoom out. What's going on for you? And, and that's what's missing. And, you know, there's reasons, don't get me wrong. And I don't have all the solutions in terms of government structures and caps, like, do you know what I mean? But what I can see is it's, it doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that approach of really aligning somebody to who they are at their core and taking away the things that are actually really not serving their deepest alignment and actually understanding like who we are as humans and then allowing that to shape the therapy that we do together to bring us into alignment. Even in my training in holistic health and nutrition, 
we were taught that, yes, it's incredibly important what you put on your plate and clients are going to come to you and be like, I need help with my diet and my weight. And understanding that as second secondary food, the primary food is relationships, career and sense of spirituality. It's like you can make someone eat all the kale and broccoli in the world, but if actually they have a relationship that's making them really unhappy, a career that doesn't fulfill them and a deep sense of disconnection, that person's actually never going to be that healthy. So what do you feel is needed as a more progressive approach to psychology? And again, we're talking about the gen pop, like the masses here. Yeah, I mean, definitely options for service. And I think like thorough service. So to me, it is a waste of money to go to say the NHS or these you know services that are free, which is lovely, but still get no answer because the screenings and the services are not thorough. And so it's it's a waste of money then. So we need to be able to provide people with thorough assessments and options. The difficulty, you know, for a lot of people is money, let's be real, right? So it's like, not everyone can afford to pay privately for these screenings and therapy and all of this stuff, like it definitely adds up. But at the, at the moment, the way things are working is it's like, you kind of are getting what you pay for. So I think ideally being able to make that more accessible to people in a way that's actually going to be helpful would would be amazing. Um, you know, for me, as you mentioned, we we do a lot of work on sort of like this the spirituality aspect, like our belief systems, like our belief systems are the things that create our thoughts, which our feelings and our behaviors. We know this, but we have to dig those things out of our subconscious, be like, what's under here? Like, what are you actually? thinking about the way you're thinking, which as you know, talk about nutrition and stuff, that's, that can be poison to people. As you said, eat a bunch of kale and broccoli and then tell yourself all these like very deeply horrible things about yourself that are limiting your, your perception of yourself or your potential or things like that is just, you know, so I think we need to be able to incorporate that aspect. Consciousness is something that's very poorly understood at this point, right? And I used to sort of make jokes when I when I worked in in the, the systems, which some people found funny and some people don't. But I'm I've been acquired taste. Let's be real. Um, but I joke about like people would be saying, "Oh, we should do this. We should do this." And I'm like, "That doesn't matter. In a hundred years, they'll look back on us and think we're a bunch of idiots, anyways." And they're like, "I'm like, well, that it will be. Let's hope so, right?" Because what we know, but we didn't know a hundred years ago, we look back, we're like, oh, you did lobotomies and you actually like the people believe that there was demons, they would drill holes in their skulls and like, you know, blast people with hydrotherapy and like all kinds of things that was just, let's give this a go. And now we go, that was a bit bonkers. And so there has to be things that we're doing now that hundred years from now, what they know about consciousness and all of these things, epigenetics, like all of this, like where they go, oh, well, they didn't know anything and they still won't know anything, right? So. We have to be just really open-minded that we're just working with what we know at this time, but really being curious about the things that we're just starting to understand. Like, you know, epigenetics is a huge thing. Like this idea that you can be above your own DNA, you can shift your, the expression of your genes with you know, your environment or your behavior, how you're thinking and feeling about things. Like what? Like that's something that we need to sort of dig into, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny with epigenetics, isn't it? Because when I speak to people about it now, it's like, we kind of treat it like it's a new thing, like this new science. But like, I'm currently um, reading again, for the second time, um, Bruce Lipton, Biology of Belief, obviously, like the absolute godfather of epigenetics. And like, he's, he, he was making discoveries, like, 
decades ago in this stuff but yet it's like the information is only kind of just beginning to like surface to the I guess the wider skirts of of society now we're like oh hey like there's this new science available that's epigenetics <laughs> it's like when they call like spiritual like new age stuff I'm like sis this is old age like we've just dug it up we put some branding on it and like this is not new completely okay so how do you feel that the addition of life coaching and holistic healing and spiritual psychology how do you feel like that has impacted your clients healing and transformation like you know some people come to you with very I don't say easy fixes but their beliefs and their thoughts are really just the issue and when we can do a couple little tweaks around that they can experience like results very quickly which is sort of like the cognitive behavioral stuff and and that for people that have sort of more complex presentations or they're really in this deep period of holy shit, what do I do? Which feels like death by the way. Right. So we've got like caterpillar and butterfly and then the big goop in the middle, they come under the goop in the middle. And although it's part of a beautiful transformation, it is like terrifying. So you're not going to like, and you know, tell me about your thoughts and like, yes, we can definitely clean some of those up and make them more helpful, but there's a lot deeper stuff going on that we need to be able to excavate. And so there would be times in my early career when people would come, as we said, with like no actual problem, but it's like, I don't want to be here anymore. And you're like, but you don't have a problem. Shit. <laughs> you're like, what page is this on? Like, it's stressful because you're like, there's some, and, and I would see people like that. And I'm like, there's something more that needs to be accessed in order to help shift these people because the brain is not everything it is a tool it's a thing it's a definite like huge point of influence for us and a lot of our our mistakes don't get me wrong happen in there but there's so much else so within the rest of my training and sort of my own exploration around spiritual development and stuff it's helped me to access the what else and so if someone comes to me doesn't have an observable problem or is like I don't know what's wrong with me it's like that's okay or people are like, I don't remember my childhood. I don't know what to do. I like dissociate or I block things out. I was like, that's okay. Like you don't have to remember things feel to heal. Um, but from a CBT approach, you'd be like, well, how can I work with that? Because you don't remember. So I felt quite limited. And then I observed a limitation in someone's ability to heal. And so that's sort of how I've been able to like explore these different avenues and then use them to help access, you know, sort of different points of healing for people. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's really interesting hearing you speak about people who come to you and basically say, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I feel like this type thing, because, yeah, I can really just remember feeling like I was the only one who felt like this. And it's really reassuring, even to me now, like hearing like hearing you say that back, I'm like, oh, yeah, like everyone actually does kind of share this I feel like it's just I feel like it's a big part of the human experience this kind of like search for meaning right and it's interesting I was listening to a podcast a while back interviewing Gabo Mate um and because he's for people who don't know like he does a lot of work around trauma and addiction and he was saying that there's a big error in the way that we treat mental health because we treat it like it's an individual problem like everyone coming with their like I have issues they're very unique to me and of course like our issues are unique to us because we all have our individual experiences however he was like mental health 
and the issues that we're facing as a society is a collective thing. Like if you look at the general sense of fulfillment, happiness, et cetera, it's actually across the board. Like, and, and, but we're still treating it in terms of, well, what's happened to you to make you feel like this instead of, okay, let's like zoom out and be like, why, why aren't the general population happy? Maybe let's start kind of looking at that. And it's, I find it really interesting that, you know, so many people do come to you and they're like, there shouldn't really be anything wrong in my life, but there kind of feels like there's something missing. That is the sense of like spiritual psychology, of spiritual psychology, right? So could you explain a little bit about spiritual psychology? To me, as I said, it's just sort of what connects you to something bigger than yourself. And that for some people, they can use different terminology. It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, for some people, it's feeling that sense of connection to nature, that we are all connected or God or the universe or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, as you said, it's not just you within you, like you are connected to things around you. So, I mean, let's be real. There are things in our society that indoctrinate us with certain unhelpful beliefs that then we have to struggle to overcome. But there's also like, you know, veering off topic a little bit, like just, you know, that evolutionary aspect to, you know, to what we experience, right? So we come from, you know, groups of people that lived in tribes. We weren't like super strong or fast where we need each other to survive. That's why community is so important. That's why we feel rejected or made fun of or whatever it feels like we could die because we're programmed to need to assimilate within a group, stay within the group, not be kicked out for naughty behavior because then we would die. We still have this like as part of our brain function, except we're living in a system that it's kind of outdated and we just haven't caught up to it yet. So every single person, for example, because of this has this, I'm not good enough thing. And it's funny, but not funny. Like people are like, I have this thing where it's like, oh, I just don't feel good enough. I'm like, oh, cute. What kind do you have? Like find someone that doesn't have it. I want to know like your new, unique brand of it, but like, do you know what I mean? Let's remove the shame from like, I'm the one that people, well, everyone. And I joke to say, like, I have my clients. So we just pile everybody in a room and be like, oh, what kind do you have? Let's just all go around and share what I'm not good enough and who told me this. Like, then we go, oh, okay. So it's not just me. So like, we have to consider other aspects of, you know, psychology and, you know, just like evolutionary programming and this kind of thing. But to me, spiritual psychology is sort of like the bridge between, okay, here's all the crap. Yeah, 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 we get it, cute, now what? Like, what does this mean for you? Because what gives you meaning is not gonna be the same for me because we have preference. We are humans that are here to co-create and constantly expand. So it's like, and the next thing and the next thing. And like, if we do that, how society wants us to, which is like buy the next car and do the next, like that's not going to work. But if we can connect to that sense of creation, which is like, now I want to try this and I want to have this experience and I want to learn this and I want to grow in this way. And it's fun and expansive, like, well, great. But we're going to experience contrast. What you love is going to be different than other people. And that's kind of the soul plan stuff, right? Like what are the things that are for you for sure? What are things you're like, oh, this is a struggle for me or, oh, I actually just don't like this. We don't have that sense of like what those things are. We don't have a compass. We're just kind of lost being like, you know, I tried marketing because my friend did it and she made lots of money. And I, you know, it's just like, we don't know how to make decisions. And we throw kids into this stuff when they're like freaking 17 years old. I'm like, what do you want to do? And you're like, I don't know. Do you know what you're going to do in your career, Megan, in the next 10 years? Like, no, probably not. Like, you could have an idea and then we'll have a chat in 10 years. Be like, just kidding. I did this or I did that, that kind of like this. Like, do you know what I mean? So we have to be able to, I think, hold space for everyone's individuation, but 
connect that to something that is purpose-driven and meaningful. And to me, that's what spiritual psychology mm. Mm -hmm. and I think like that's the thing with therapy or coaching or anything working within the like holistic arena it's really supporting people to align to themselves as in becoming like the best version of them as opposed to us preaching this is the way to do things making people become more like us it's like allowing people to become more like them aligning to like a true sense of authenticity and then what you're saying about meaning I listened to a, uh, Ricky Gervais being interviewed by Russell Brand once, which was great because Ricky Gervais is like a staunch atheist and Russell Brand is obviously an inverted commas, deeply spiritual person. Um, so it was really interesting hearing them talk about meaning. And Ricky Gervais was basically saying he doesn't believe in God, but he believes in nature. He loves animals and he finds a sense of connection and meaning in the land and animals and he still sees us as part of this ecosystem I guess and that's the difference isn't it it's like whether it's not about God but it's seeing ourselves as part of a greater whole because I think as humans we become very isolated when it becomes just about us all on us what am I getting what am I doing that's when the disconnection sets in and when we open ourselves up that's the spiritual path right when we start to shift away from the ego self of just this is just me and start to see ourselves in this sense of the collective oneness it's kind of like our innate sense of being would you say yeah definitely well and that's what you said like a lot of the spiritual practices illuminate that illusion of separation is basically the cause of most of our suffering this idea that it's just me and that's why people mm. kind of feel that like what's the point of this what is this shit like what is going on around here like what you know I mean which is you know it's like um was it Descartes and he was like I think therefore I am and then you know it's like well that's so like profound it's like you know he was criticized be like well who's I <laughs> who's I then is it you as a human is it the universe like you need to expand that a little bit like we are more than our thoughts we know that we know that the person observing our thoughts where does that come from what is that because you know, if you pretend to know the answers, I don't think you do. Like we we're just now starting to go, what is that? And the more that we can approach that with curiosity and that sense of wonderment, it's like, wow, like there's more to this than just me in my own dysfunction and my own problems. Like I, I'm a unique expression of all that is. What the heck is that? And the more that you can try find ways to connect to it, however you want to, whatever works for you, then you will find that sense of like you know, alignment is just the underlying peace, contentment, everything's cool. It's not like ecstatic exuberance. It's not despair. It's just like, you're just trucking along, right? Do you know what I mean? It's like animals or nature, you don't look at birds and like, oh my God, that bird's so neurotic. Like it's just having a time. Like they're just kind of doing their thing. Like, do you know what I mean? So I think as humans, because of our ability for complex thought, we mess that natural alignment up quite easily. And that sort of work is just unpicking all that crap, which because you know, people say to me, how do I be more spiritual? I'm like, well, you just remove the shit that's in the way of you being spiritual. And then, cause you're just naturally spiritual, right? You've got like a river that's flowing and it's blocked. You're like, oh my God, how do we make it a river? You're like, just pull that crap out. And then it's a river. It's always been a river. Just had a bunch of stuff in there. Do you know what I mean? So that's sort of what the work is, is just removing that stuff, which just gets in our way of just being that. Yeah, I love that. Michael Singer uses that analogy. We're all trying to get into the river and like just move the rocks around and like upturning them. Like what's here? What's here? It's like, 
just take them out the river. <laughs> don't need this. Don't need that. Bye. Yeah, massively. And yeah, I remember being in when I was in Bali, I went to a yoga class there, which was run by an old yogi. He was probably in his 70s, 80s. And he was just about to start the class and so many people were putting their hands up asking questions you know like should I be doing it more like this or this or like you know I had this thought the other day and can you just explain this and blah blah and after a few few rounds of questions he was like wow you westerners you've got so clever that you've made yourself stupid and I was like wow that's really deep <laughs> like put my hand down <laughs> but it's true right it's like the more that we just take out the river, the less complex we make it, the easier we can just kind of get back to equilibrium. And so if you can learn to kind of come back into yourself and feel that alignment, well, now you can look at your life objectively and take stock of what's working for me, what's not working, and then align with changes that are necessary. So if you're feeling symptoms of anxiety, because you're in a relationship that sucks or in a job that's like freaking you out and it's not for you, like, that's normal. We don't like people think we, we need to like, just not feel any symptoms. Like I can't remember the name of it, but there's that pain disorder. Where people don't feel pain. Like, well, they don't live long because mm. they don't feel pain. Right. We need pain as a messenger of, Hey, time to break up with that person. This is not for you. There's something better on the other side of this. It's always our perceived limitation that keeps us stuck. I've been so long. I've invested so much of this. I've done this job. And what's mom and dad going to say? Right, right, right. It's like, that's the crap. Like, so if we actually just go back into alignment, what do you want? I want to be out of here or I want to do this thing or I want to quit my job and become a yoga teacher. Who cares? It doesn't matter what you want to do. It's like trusting your own authenticity and your own unique truth. And that's what sort of the spiritual process is like. Just come back to yourself and then take it around and then whatever's not working, we'll clean that up. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been having lots of conversations around that recently, um, especially with my um, boyfriend who's built like two very successful careers and then kind of got to the top of it and then realized, oh shit, this doesn't make me happy anymore. And it's he'd use this analogy of getting to the top of a ladder and then realizing that you're on the wrong ladder and then, <laughs> and then being unafraid to jump shit, go to the next ladder foot. You know, you're totally right that there's so many... There's so many blocks in the way for people of living the life that they want to live, whether it's, you know, fear of judgment or, um, you know, what other people will say, what society says. And there's so much to unpack. I think for me that I've always been quite, I guess, fearless in the face of doing that. I don't know why. Maybe it's an innate thing. But I remember being like 25 and I worked in insurance and was like, this doesn't make me happy. I want to quit and teach yoga. And everyone around me, like friends, family were like, no, that's a terrible idea. You should stay secure and stable, et cetera. But the, the feeling within me was so like visceral, you know, whether you call it intuition, gut instinct, whatever, it was like, I physically can't not do this. Maybe it's the act of like stuffing those messages down so that we become numbed out to it or actually just working against those kind of intuitive hits that also just destabilizes people a lot because it doesn't feel comfortable when we're going against our inner guidance, does it? Whether that's in a relationship, in careers or where we're living or, you know, anything about our life, the people that we're hanging out with, like any of these things, when we're going against our inner compass, yeah. it I find as well, like it erodes our sense of self-trust 
Like we stop being able to trust ourselves when we aren't acting upon what our body is telling us that we want. Yeah. And if we can align with neutrality, then it's just like, hey, climb this ladder. Thought the view is going to be sweet. It's not (laughs) sweet. I'm going to go check out a different ladder. Like easy, not easy. There's actionable effort that's involved, but there's Mm -hmm. no drama, right? I think right now we're kind of existing between worlds. So like the old world, which was like maybe a product of like the industrialized revolution and how like things used to work, you know, get a bachelor's degree and support a five like person family and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, and your wife doesn't need to work. Like that shit's done. It doesn't work anymore. And like, you know, you don't work in a factory for 45 years and then have a cute retirement and a cake and then move on. Like people don't stay in the same jobs, never mind careers forever. But I think at times, even there's a perception that that's a failure. You're doing it wrong. Why can't you just stick to a thing? I'm sure people are like, mm. oh, he'll never find something that he likes. He just does the thing and then he gives up or he just, you know, he's never got like, and then you'll get those types of comments from people at Thanksgiving dinner or wherever you're at. And you're just like, okay, well, maybe there is something wrong with me. Maybe I do keep trying things and then that are not for me rather than just going, I tried this. There are so many things I've learned as an extension of doing this. Some of it is stuff I'm going to use on the next part of my journey. And part of it is just contrast around, okay, I definitely know these things are not for me. Nothing's ever a waste of time though, right? But when we factor in the opinions, which is an extension of what society indoctrinates us with, then that's when those sort of limiting beliefs and worries start to pop up around, like, am I doing it wrong? Mm, Yeah. So just going back to this collective experience we can call it of generalized anxiety or depression you know I don't actually know what the current stats are but there seem to be a lot of people out there with burnout overwhelm anxiety depression people who are on medication and again we're not talking about the more extreme end of that it's just the generalized version but why do you think that is and I know that we've we've covered a lot of this but what do you think are maybe our daily actions or ways that we are living our lives that are contributing to that or do you think it's just that humans have actually always felt like this but now that we're talking about mental health everyone's just putting their hands up and being like oh no I do feel like this like why do you think it is that so many people in our society now experience anxiety it's a good question. I think it's super complicated. Like part of it is, I think, as you said, like, or as I saying the in-between worlds aspect of where we're at, which is like this old system that we align with. I mean, if you think about say like my grandparents age, they were so focused on survival. They lived in like world wars and like they weren't, you know, my grandpa wasn't like, do I feel like meaning and purpose in my life? It's like, no, you're 13. You have a job now because your dad's died and you work in this factory. Like people didn't have the safety to be able to contemplate. If you think about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? As we move up as our safety improves, like our physiological needs are met, safeties, you know, look at places like the Ukraine now. I'm sure the things that people there were worried about around their own self-actualization or need for connection or self-esteem is like a bit different now because they're in danger, right? So when the danger kind of removes and we're like, then we can start to kind of dig into like what gives me purpose and meaning. And then we notice those discrepancies, which give us symptoms of anxiety. Um, And I think that there is still that contrast between what society tells us we should be doing and how we feel. And so, I mean, I've worked with some of the like most successful like wealthiest, most high functioning people you can imagine. You go, holy crap, you've done it. And let me tell you, that is the saddest group of people you'll meet 
because they've done all the things. There's nowhere for them to go. There's nothing else to attain because like do all these things and you'd be happy. And then they do it all and they do it to an insane standard. And they're like, and then they flip right back into like, I don't want to be here because what the hell is all of this? And so as we are programmed to do all that stuff and then realize that that actually is not, it's not it. People will feel pain points attached to that. And so they should, because that's their inner compass going, it was never this, you guys. Oh my God. But try it, try it, go get all the things and then come back and let me know. So we should be feeling anxious. The other thing too, like, it, you know, we talked about sort of like the, the social media bit, like internet in terms of like stigma stuff, like as we have access to more information, which like thanks the internet, like I know I'm a little bit older than you, but didn't have the internet as a child. Okay. Like, <laughs> like there was no access to information in a way, like our access to information helps us tons, but at the same time, for example, mental health, like people that have like an actual mental health disorder and they're trying to, you know, reduce the stigma and normalize these things. It's like people like, oh, I, I have anxiety. We pathologize everything now because we have this access to information. It's like, oh my gosh, I felt this, this. They go through the checklist, the DSM, like, oh my God, I have this thing. How many clients tell me they have OCD and anxiety? And this, I'm like, okay, you might, let's check it. Oh my gosh, okay. Did did you do some self-diagnosis? Were you on, were you on medmd.com? Like, because, you know, you look up anything and you're going to find some sort of diagnosis for yourself, which when the, then we over-identify with, and then that's just going to perpetuate your feelings sort of like of anxiety. Mm. Oh my God, mm. there's something wrong. So what would you say are these common issues that we see amongst clients? We've obviously, you've, you've obviously mentioned this not good enough story. And I, I suppose what I want to draw attention to is like, these are very shared experiences. It's all part of the human condition. And it's funny as well, like with, with EFT work, like operating as an EFT practitioner, like not good enough is like not allowed vocabulary in our sessions. You know, people will turn up and they're like, oh, I have a problem. It's that I don't feel good enough. It's like, yeah, welcome to the, the human race. We all have this. Are there any other things that you would say are very common amongst all of your clients? Because I can really resonate with that. Like I've done, I've got all the ticks and I still don't feel good. And there's still, there must be something wrong with me. And I think that that's just such a common thing in our society now. It's like, there must be something wrong with me. Well, and then attached that obviously like symptoms of anxiety and depression, anxiety is sort of that feeling of like, I'm not okay. I'm not safe. I'm doing it wrong. That I'm not good enough creates a lot of anxiety because how can you feel good if you don't feel good enough? Do you know what I mean? Which is, you know, it's just a human concept. It's not an actual real thing. It's like, I remember like watching this movie when I was a kid, I think it's called Mr. Boogity or something. I was like, so scared of it. And this was like, well, how would you even explain to me if I was seven, that that's not a real thing? Well, it's not real. It's like, yeah, but it is real. Cause I feel scared. Yeah, but it's still not real. Like there's nothing you can say. And this is kind of the same thing. It's just like, but I feel like crappy because I don't feel good enough. Yeah, but it's not real. Because everyone has it. That's like a misfiring of our brain or just a weird wiring situation. And that's sort of what this this work is. And then attached to that can be like, you know, a lot of people come to me feeling really stuck or trapped in their lives or like, you know, I did this thing, I've created this life for myself and now I don't like it. And now I don't know what to do. I feel overcommitted or I feel like I've wasted my time or whatever the thing is, or, or people going through a difficult transition that could be, you know, experiencing a huge loss of someone or trying to adjust to 
being a new mom or like whatever the next phase is that we're still in that in-between of adjustment. But I really wanted this thing and I got it and now I feel terrible. It's like, okay, well, like, so I think a lot of it is just sort of just typical adjustment things, which is just like, you just need to be told that's okay. That's a normal thing to feel. And how can we use our beliefs to create something that's going to help you to get through this? Like, hello, life is difficult. Like, let's be real. There's actual shit we go through, but it's like, okay, is my approach to this helpful? Is it accurate? Is this going to benefit me in some way as I navigate this like actual difficulty or am I making things way harder on myself? And usually that's the thing. Like if I could, I mean, I'm sure you see this too. If you could just remove that not good enough thing. I mean, oh my God, like let's surgically remove that. How much of this improves? It's just, just, let's just have permission to just experience things how we want to experience them. Neutrality to me is the, is the biggest ticket, which is just like, this is just a thing you experience. You climb the ladder, didn't like it, come down. Yeah, but what's so and so going to think? And I've done this and I've did it. Like that's all the stuff that gets us so jacked up, which is like, you, you tried it. You didn't like it. Take the stuff that you gained from it and go check out a new ladder. Yeah. You bring in a lot of, a lot of stuff to do with nervous system and how I've, how we're feeling in our body as well, you know, as well as the belief systems within our sessions, you bring in a lot of stuff around nervous system and how I'm feeling, which is, you know, which is a more holistic approach. And I'm interested with, you know, if someone's listening, they're like, okay, cool. Well, this, this is me. So how do I begin to unpack this stuff? You know, obviously coming to do sessions with you would be number one, but like, but how, what do you think are the tools, practices, attitudes that can really help people to unpack this? And maybe let's talk a little bit about like body nervous system. Um, If you could just speak a bit to that. Yeah. And it depends on the person, right? So for some people that are very heady, logical, rational, when you're kind of pointing out the errors of how they're conceptualizing things and they see that it doesn't even make any sense, it's just not logical, those people really quickly go, yeah, 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 okay, got it. And they can have that irrational thought pop up and they're like, nope. And the nervous system feels jacked up when we feel that irrational thought, which is I'm not good enough, I'm not safe, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, I don't even believe you, fine. And their nervous system can settle. So for some people, that's enough. For other people, people that have been through, let's say, chronic stress or trauma, and I don't even mean like savage trauma, I can mean just like a drip feed of chronic stress and a sense of mis-ease or being in relationships with people that they're just not working, or it can go from that, I mean, trauma is a spectrum, right? People become used to feeling a certain way in their body. So these are the people that wake up in the morning and they're like, oh my God, like, you've just woken up. There's no problem. You're still in bed, but the body is acting as if like, there's just that use to releasing certain chemicals, certain hormones. Like there is like that program that happens. So there's a lot of work that can be done just in terms of how to be able to settle the physical body down. Because if we can't keep calm in our physical body, we don't have access to our brains, right? Like we need to be able to get ourselves into a place of sort of groundedness where we can actually choose something different so a lot of people are just walking around and they're so used to feeling anxious that that is just their baseline which we can improve upon massively right so sometimes it's a physical attending to the nervous system and then a lot of times it's more of a subconscious approach or a combination of all these things because if you have subconscious beliefs which we they're subconscious for a reason you're not noticing them 
like you would just do a thing and not go, that's because I'm not good enough because so-and-so told me that like, we don't know that we don't think that. So we have to dig those things out to go, which of, you know, system upgrade on your iPhone, like bug fixes, what's working. What's the stuff that's just so outdated? What's the thing that you invented in your head when you were seven and now you don't need this and it's actually causing you a sense of like dysfunction because you just don't need this anymore. We're ready to upgrade the system. Those subconscious beliefs uh, to me impact our nervous system massively because they're just always there. It's like drinking poison. It's like, why do I feel terrible? It's like, right. right? So there's so many ways, right? Um, you know, people do a lot of sort of like breath work and like, you know, there's this, you know, thing you know, about like cold showers and all this stuff. A lot of that, those are all nervous system regulation strategies. And, you know, these things do work for a reason, but I think because everyone's unique presentation so differently, there is a bit of like a playing around with like, what is it that you need? What is it that works for you? Um, you know, for some people, cold showers, for example, great nervous system reset. Other people, it's actually quite triggering. And then they go, I tried it and what the hell is this? Like, it's like, it's okay. It's just like, there's a whole bunch of things we have access to. And it's just sort of carving out your unique path for healing within that. When we've brought ourselves into alignment, how would you say that we feel within our minds, within our bodies? To me, it's just easy, right? Like in this present moment, like nothing else exists. You and I are just chatting. Easy, it's calm, it's chill. Like it's not, I'm not like, oh my God, what am I going to make for dinner? And like, just, just a sense of presence, right? So when we are able to be present with what is, we are able to just feel kind of peacefulness, contentment, everything's fine. And it's, it's not super, super up here and it's not super, super down here. So that's why I don't know if you've ever experienced people where you can really feel that presence within them. It doesn't matter what situation they're in. They don't have to like the situation even or find it quite stressful, but they're like, you just seem okay. And that's to me what alignment feels like, which is just like, and then the next step and the next step and the next step. But if we're always in that sense of just like, yeah, things are good. Because from there we can access other feelings like sort of curiosity or interest or things like that. But alignment is the main thing because without that sense of just basically like, I'm okay, everything's fine. We can create a lot of problems. And I guess, you know, that's the that's the goal, isn't it? Like the, the goal is presence and then, understanding that of course challenges are going to come in there are going to be hard times you've said that pain is inevitable pain is a messenger and the challenges of life don't stop but our ability to be with that and not resist it not reject it that's the goal as opposed to living a life which is kind of painless which is I guess the pursuit of like happiness and the pursuit of presence and alignment you know they're different things aren't they and spirituality is an amazing tool to help people with the alignment piece, but there's also caution within that. I mean, I've seen a lot of, and I hate to say practitioners that are quite toxic in their approach, like, which is like, basically alignment is your blissed out and your ecstatic joy. And I'm like, girl, are you on drugs? Like, that's a no, right? Like if you are there, you might be manic. I'm not sure. Like we need to check something because you, I mean, if you, in, in meditation, as an example, you can have a meditation when you're really, really feeling like all the feels and you're like, wow, that was magical. And then you, the next ones are not like that. Like alignment isn't this state of like euphoria. I mean, I don't know for a fact, but I kind of think that's where we came from. We're not, that's not our baseline now. That's not what alignment is meant to be. So I think sometimes it gives people these unrealistic expectations, which again, then here they are in the spiritual domain trying to like 
find their sense of meaning connection. And now I'm not good enough again, because all these people, oh my God, I was just so blissed out. And did you feel that? And it's like, no, not really. Like it felt good, but it didn't feel blissed out. Like, what are they doing that I'm not doing? It's like, and then we just attach that I'm not good enough to that. Right. So I think having just sort of like reasonable expectations around what our goals are within this, because you don't need to feel blissed out every moment of your life. That's just not, it's not even going to be helpful basically. Cause that, when you've experienced that, I'm sure, you know, you fall in love, you're like, I don't need to work or eat again. And everything's just like, it's like cute, but that's not like going to help you with functionality the rest of your life. It's not a note to consistently hit. And the idea that that's what we're reaching for is, I don't know, to me, an unhelpful stretch. If somebody is feeling this dis-ease within their life and they're really wanting to bring themselves into alignment, what do you feel are the most powerful tools, practices, strategies to start to begin that journey? So for me, the noticing of not being in alignment starts with physical symptoms. So you feel like heart palpitations, you feel hot, some people feel dizzy, feel something in your tummy. So for me, like to tune into that, and it will sound super woo-woo, but here, let's do it. Um, to be able to tune into the body part to retrieve information about what's needed. So if you think about physical pain, we're just automatically good at this because we don't worry if it's woo-woo or not, right? If you're cooking dinner and your hand's burning on the stove, you're not like, mm, what is that? Something feels off to me. Like, it's really painful. Oh my God, there's something wrong with me. You're like, you just automatically go, my hand is on fire. It's burning, move the hand, problem solved, right? We don't tune into physical symptoms of misalignment in the same way. But if we can do that, because our body is trying to tell us a thing that is either deeply unwanted or what's needed to feel better, we can tune into that. So if you're feeling sort of that, oh my gosh, can't catch my breath, my heart's going, it's just like, put your hand here, take some deep breaths and just put your attention, your awareness into that part of your body. Notice it. It sometimes gets stronger, then it moves and it dissolves. Sometimes even you'll get a flash of a memory or a word that comes up where it's like, Hey, what do you need? Right. We don't do this process, thankfully, with physical symptoms because you'd have a hand burnt off before you figured out what it needed. Right. But it's like, what do you need? And so it's just like, I feel rushed. Like you might just get a simple little, like, okay, feel rushed. What do we do? We need to just take some time out then. Right. Which is like to decompress whatever it is that you need in that moment to help just regulate the body. So that calming and listening process works really, really effectively. Um, and then attached to that is going to be, as I said, when we're in alignment, we're starting to feel better. It's like, we still could be in situations that are not in alignment for us. I mean, like all of clients would be like, I was doing so well. And then I went to visit my family. I'm like, Ooh, this, the origin of our misalignment, which is like not a judgment, but true of every single person on this planet. Which is like, and now we're tested. What happened? Tell me the goods. Right. Because it's like, Ooh. because when we're trying to stay in alignment, in situations that are either highly triggering or just not for us, it's going to be very temporary. Set your watch to it as a matter of time before you can't do it, right? Like, it's just not possible. I mean, some people could, but you know, I'm certainly not there, right? Like being able to regulate yourself in a situation that's not for you. So as you use the analogy about your boyfriend, it's like, if he stayed on that ladder, like he could do all the alignment practices he wants. Like, yeah, but you gotta get off the ladder. Like you can't stay in alignment. You can do as best a job as you could, but it's still not going to be total alignment because you're in something that is not aligned with you as well. 
So it's an internal practice. And then we also have to like externally as well and sort of, you know, clean up what's not in alignment. And that's not easy, right? It really, really isn't. It sounds easy because in theory it actually is, but the doing of it of like, I've got to start a whole new career. I've got to like get out of this mortgage with this person and sell this place and end the relation. Like these things are hard to do because we're humans, but it's like, let's just remove all the things that kind of get in our way around it and confuse it, which is the fear of judgment. I'm a failure. Rant, rant, rant. It's like, we focus on neutrality. We still have the challenge of like cleaning up these things, which is not easy, but let's try to get as neutral as we possibly can. And to me, that's what alignment is. What would you say is the overall journey that you take somebody through when you work with somebody? If somebody listening to this is, is interested in working with you, maybe they've kind of exhausted avenues that they've been working with and they're actually ready to dig a little bit more into a holistic approach this sense of spiritual psychology what would you say is what does that journey look like working with you I think one of the main things is and I think you alluded to this earlier is that sense of trust within self because if we trust ourselves if we trust that we know what is for us and what's not for us and we trust the intrinsic qualities and resources we have within us we then get this real sense of everything is okay. That helps alignment hugely. So that's usually quite a focus within um, the work, which is if someone you know is confused or not trusting themselves, well, how are they going to do things that are actually difficult to do? We have to get them to connect to the things about them that they can use at any point in time that will help them to deal with difficult circumstances, right? So you have things within you that it doesn't matter if we like locked you in a jail cell for the rest of your life, you're still you, right? You would still have all of these beautiful qualities. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. There's still, you can't lose them. So people say, I used to be really brave. I actually used to, you know, be able to do, I'm like, okay, but that's still within you. That's still accessible. You have just created a limitation that has cut you off from this. So let's remove those limitations, reconnect you to that sense of empowerment, um, the seed of the soul, whatever you want to call it, which is just let's settle into that, which is that trust. Now, can you tell the difference between something that you like and something you don't? Well, yeah, the basic things usually we can, and we start from that and we grow and grow and grow until we can address the more complex sort of thing. So I would say that connection to trust your own personal sense of empowerment and intuition is usually the thing, because if we don't start with that, then how do we address situations or things that are maybe problematic or difficult, or maybe like, wow, I need to make a big change here. How do you start by making a big change when you're like, I don't even trust my own damn self. This is me very difficult. Like, so we have to kind of begin with that sense of reconnection. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a really important point, actually. How do we make these big changes in our lives when we can't trust ourselves? Because we have to trust ourselves that we're going to be okay, you know, without these big external factors in our lives, without the relationship or without the career or, you know, changing our environment. We have to be able to feel very anchored in our sense of our ability to support ourselves. And again, that kind of goes back to the hierarchy of needs, right? Because it's about like stability and security. When we can give ourselves stability and security, then we can start to change the external environment. So like really entrenching ourselves with our own sense of like the strength within our own internal landscape. That's what it comes back to, right? And there's two things to that. Number one is always fear. Like when we are in a situation of like, I want to do this and then here comes the but, it's always fear-based. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be supported? What is so-and-so going to think? There's always a fear attached to it. 
And the second thing is people try to approach these situations from our mind. Our mind is a tool that we are supposed to intentionally pick up and then put down. Not everything is to be solved with our mind. Our, our minds are so good at, I mean, you know, in school, what are you taught to do? It's like, write an, write an essay about why this thing is good. Now write an essay about why the thing is bad. Like our brains are designed to look for evidence to support our belief. And so that's why when people are conflicted making a decision, they're ping-ponging around their head and they'll go, one minute I think this and the next minute I think this. I'm like, well, that's because this is not a brain decision. This is a feeling. How do you feel? Because your brain can tell you why you need to stay in this job and why it's so important. And then a minute later, it's like, yeah, but like, this is not a brain call, right? So, all right, forget it. Use the brain when we need it. How do you feel? I want to get back here. All right. When we remove the fear, it, what we want is so clear. And so that's ten, like a good place to start with someone that's actually struggling with like, what do I do? It's like, if you weren't afraid, what would you want? And it's obvious, which is great because that shows your internal compass is working. And it's like, all right, great. Let's help you to feel empowered to align with that choice because this is very easy. It's a strong yes or no, or actually not sure yet, but this is just like, gets messy. I don't know if you've experienced that, but I have where it's like, this is not a brain call. I need to move into here. I know that a lot of people who come to work with me, they're like, oh, I don't really know what I want. And then you're like, if you could guess what you wanted, what would it be? And people just know immediately, right? It's like, and yeah, there might be a lot of fuzziness around and they're kind of like, well, actually, if I did this, then the blah, 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 and the stories take over. But actually, we kind of all, we know on an internal level, it might be messy, but there is something within us. I mean, it's the premise of the alchemist, right? <laughs> like, you know, like the most read book on the planet, it's like coming back to our heart, coming back to our soul guidance. That's where the answers are. It's just that the head gets a little bit, you know, over, over involved. <laughs> imagine that because the brain only can have access to the information it has access to so I remember at one point in my life before I moved here like really being unhappy where I was and I was like I need to move but did I know I was going to be moving here I that was not on my radar at all so my brain was at home trying to go I should do this and this and this and this when really it's like no it was it was meant to be something different but I I, I mentally didn't have access to that yet and so people may not know what the next step tangibly is, and that stresses them out, but that's also okay, which is, I don't know what it's going to look like. Okay. But what do you want to feel? People know what they want to feel. Like, I want to feel more freedom. I want to feel more independence. I want to feel more safety, security. I want to feel more adventure. It doesn't matter. And then people like, you know, feel bad for how they want to feel. How you want to feel is how you want to feel, right? Some people love freedom. It lights them up. It just completely you know, drives everything that they want to do in their lives. Other people, it's absolutely terrifying. And it's like, no, thank you. There's no right or wrong within that. So if you can connect to how you want to feel and know that again, it's neutral. It's like, cool, that's for you. That's not for some people, whatever. If you can align with how you want to feel, then the tangibles start to make sense, which is like, and then come this way and this way and this way. And then suddenly the brain can actually look at, oh, that's why. But throughout that part of the journey, our, how the heck would we know? We don't know. There's a game actually I remember you 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 encouraged me to play which is the the what if game but like flipped I remember in one of our sessions I was like bringing up a load of scenarios that like worst case scenarios of this is going to happen that this is going to happen and you were like why don't you just play the what if game of like all the best scenarios 
And if someone's playing what if game and it's like, what and then this and what am I do? And then, and then now we're aligning with a problem that doesn't even exist and probably will never exist, but what's our energetics doing? And therefore our point of attraction, like you're more of a magnet for the problem than the solution at this point, no thank you. So if you must play the what if game, then you can play it. And it doesn't have to be like some crazy diluted like perception of what's actually gonna happen in real life, which is like, what if this works out? What if this is easier than I thought it was gonna be? Like basic on that level, like I will let you play that game. <laughs> but the what ifs, they, they generally don't happen because they're imagined. What a waste of time and energy. And we've all done that where we wasted our time going, yeah, oh, that was actually not that bad. Sometimes even if the worst case scenario happens, like we're still gonna be okay. But that's literally what occupies most of our internal anxiety, right? So again, that's not a judgment, but that's like what most of our brains do. I've had clients where their worst case scenario was kind of probable because it experienced that and it was something catastrophic. Like, yeah, someone could die, right? Like I have clients that are doctors, like, you know, performance anxieties, like worst case scenario, well, I kill someone. Yeah, that's kind of a thing, right? <laughs> right, it's very different than what our worst case scenario could, but still figure outable, still we can improve that alignment and still weirdly, are we okay? if we die are we okay yeah probably right like even you know they did this study where it's like people were able to offer the worst thing that they had been through in their life and there was a huge spectrum of what that actually entailed and it's like okay so we've got a time machine we can go back and you don't have to experience that you don't have to lose that loved one you don't have to be in that horrible accident whatever it is but then everything that you have gained as an extension of that event you lose in the present moment, future, whatever, all the people you've met, all the experiences, all the things you've learned, everything is gone because of it. And I think it was something like 97 point something percent of people still chose to go through the worst thing that they've been through. So our worst case scenario, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it can involve like something traumatic and horrible and even death for someone that you love or something like that. But it's like, still, when we really unpick this later, people would still do it again. In the moment, it don't feel like you're going to want to do and this is the hindsight, right? But it's like be, knowing that one, and for me, when I'm in that moment of going, what on God's name is it? It's like, you will know at some point, at some point, I guarantee you're going to look back and go, oh, and then that was because of this. And even if it tangibly works out to be a thing, or it's like, wow, that part of you that you didn't need just broke off. And that was so painful, but now you're so much lighter and liberated because you don't need that bit anymore. Wow. That was a blessing. Like we're always able to understand things with hindsight, just not in the moment. So if you're in the moment going through one of these actual experiences, that's where the trust piece comes in, which is like, at some point, this is gonna be okay. And it's like, you know, so cheesy. It's like, this too shall pass and this is temporary. Yeah, we know that, does it make us feel better in the moment? But to feel that, I know that this will be done soon. I don't know how this is gonna work, but I know it will because absolutely everything else I've been through has. With all your work, um as a therapist and you know over the last decades what do you feel is your mission like your personal mission I, I feel like it's to help people just unapologetically be themselves because our own unique truths skills gifts challenges I mean those those are sacred and so if we are trying to force ourselves to be something out of fear or shame or whatever whatever it's like let's just clean that up like just we are brilliant enough and, I, and half of this stuff sounds so cheesy as it flies out of my mouth, but it's like that literally is what it is, which is just helping people remove the block so that they can just be themselves because that's the only way to experience 
all of the joy and the beauty that this life has to offer is by having that process begin within yourself. And, you know, and I can say that I have lived this, like I've been through that phase of my life where I tried to make things and control things to be a certain way. And kind of some of it was in alignment, but a lot of it was just fear-based or what I should be doing. And when I was able to sort of step into my own authority and my own empowerment and just really know myself. And, and that's not easy at times because sometimes what we worry we are is not desirable to other people. And that's often the case, which is to just be able to be you. Um, everything's just so much easier. So I would say that would be, that would be the goal. Yeah. Well, you're very good at it. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> Is there anything else after this amazing conversation? There's so much good stuff in here. Is there anything else that you would want to share? Um, the, just in terms of my own practice, the one thing I am going to start doing is running groups online. So I used to do that a lot at home and absolutely loved it. Um, so starting in September, I am going to be doing sort of like once a month, sort of just like collective workshops. One of the reasons for that is because a lot of the stuff we've talked about today, although we can't get into the nitty gritty in terms of our unique stuff within a group, um, it is just so healing to be able to be witness to everyone else. If you pile a hundred people in a room, it's like, okay, hello, I'm Kristen. I'm not good enough because blah, 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 blah. Pass my, hi, Megan and whatever, whatever. Like to be able to even just watch that and go, this is a load of bullshit, you guys. Like this is crap. Because it gives us that point of reference later to be like, this is not a me problem. Like, so it anchors in a new point of reference for healing. Mm. We can learn things as a group and share things as a group. Um, so that's sort of like, because I do a lot of the same stuff with people one-on-one, -on -one, right? And so sometimes I'm like, mm -hmm. can I just pile everybody to a group and be like, can you just agree that this stuff sucks? Like, let's just, you yeah. know. So um, that is something that I'll be including. So I can definitely send you details for that because- Please uh, do. I want to be a part of it. <laughs> everyone's welcome but yeah I think it, it just really does help to um, launch healing in a, in a different way so um, I want to do sort of just different topics around things that are appropriate to address in a group context which just gives people a different perspective around like the picture of some of this stuff yeah awesome there was a line that I really loved in Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights uh which is have you read that such no. a good book no. oh my god it's amazing um he, yeah, he's had, he had this line, which is sometimes a problem doesn't need to be fixed. Sometimes we just need to realize that we're not the only one. Yeah. One of the things that I work on people is like, Hey, would you give this advice to a friend? Like the, the shit you say in your head, would you say that to someone else? We're like, Oh my God, no. Like I'd like to keep my friends. Like, okay. So in a group, when you see people and you would have so much compassion for them or empathy for them, like, Oh my God, I totally get it. I totally understand how you feel. And you're like, wait a minute do I speak to myself like that it it's just so many like helpful reminders um but I will check out the book I'd actually love the audiobook because he's just got the yeah I, I listened to it on audio and I do have the book I have both because in the book he has pictures and then in the audiobook it's read by him and he has like he's probably one of the best narrators in the world so <laughs> yeah, I would listen to him do pretty much anything but that's okay like read my shopping list to me Matthew <laughs> yeah exactly this has been awesome thank you so much for coming and sharing your energy and your time with us so yeah big big thanks and love to you it was a pleasure thank you so much wow so much good stuff in there my personal keynotes was the concept of learning to trust ourselves before or alongside making big changes 
Also the idea of symptoms and pain and disease and general feelings of anxiety being messengers and an invitation to lean in instead of pushing it away. I'd love to hear any takeaways and feedback. You can contact me via my website, www.higher-love.com or on my Instagram at higherlove underscore with Megan. And if you'd like to connect with Kristen, which I strongly recommend that you do, all of her information is in the show notes. I have gained so much by working with Kristen and cannot recommend her enough. If you enjoy this podcast, please do take a moment to rate or follow or share so that more people can find it. Until next time, big love. Thank you.